Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Van Dyke Undercovers for May 2020, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This month's interview is with Andrew Blauner, editor of a special publication from the Library of America, The Peanuts Papers, writers and cartoonists on Charlie Brown, Snoopy and the Gang, and the Meaning of Life. Over the span of 50 years, Charles Schultz created a comic strip that is one of the indisputable glories of American popular culture. Hilarious, poignant, inimitable. Some 20 years after the last strip appeared, the characters Schultz brought to life in Peanuts continue to resonate with millions of fans. Their beguiling four-panel adventures and television escapades offering lessons about happiness, friendship, disappointment, childhood, and life itself. In the Peanuts papers, 33 acclaimed writers and artists reflect on the deeper truths of Schultz's deceptively simple comic, its impact on their lives and art, and on the broader culture. These enchanting, affecting, and often quite personal essays show just how much Peanuts means to its many admirers, and the way it invites us to ponder in the words of Sarah Boxer, how to survive and still be a decent human being in an often bewildering world. Featuring essays, memoirs, poems, and two original comic strips, here is the ultimate reader's companion for every Peanuts fan. I began my interview with Andrew Blauner by asking him about the enduring popularity of the Peanuts comic strip and how he became involved with editing this new Peanuts Papers book for the library of America. At its peak, the Peanuts strip uh, was read by over 350 million people uh, around the world and translated into dozens of languages in dozens of countries. Uh, for a lot of people, those famed uh, holiday TV specials, uh, The Great Pumpkin and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas with Thanksgiving squeezed in were the sort of the gateway for a lot of people. Um, but other people started with the strip itself, and it's sort of interesting that if you've seen the TV specials first, you always have those characters' voices in your head when you're reading the strip. <laughs> but for me, from the time I was probably uh, five and I was given my first Snoopy, it was just love at first sight and first holding. And um, and I, I just didn't know what the appetite was, what the market would be uh, for this kind of book. And what what it's engendered is a question for me almost is, are we in kind of a new moment for Peanuts? Um, I don't know if you're aware, like Apple TV just started a new Peanuts um, channel, Snoopy in Space. They're on Thanksgiving, there'll be a new Snoopy float at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Starting in the new year, there'll be a new national tour of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. There are all these signs that were kind of in this renaissance uh, for Peanuts. On the other hand, the question is, is it not a moment? It's just been 70 years since, which is, Peanuts, just to back up, it started in 1950, that Charles mm. Schultz started it. And he's been dead for 20 years, he, uh, almost 20 years. He died in 2000. So the fact that we're still talking about it, thinking about it, being moved by it, and that, to bring it back to your question, that in this book, the Peanuts Papers, um, 33 of the best writers uh, in the country, in the world, you know, express the fact that they were 
informed, inspired, moved by it um, at different stages in their lives in, in different ways. So what it says, you know, I'll leave that up to, to you and listeners and, and readers. But, you know, someone pointed out and asked, you know, is it a coincidence that Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, is sort of similarly having a bit of a, um, a moment or a renaissance, if you will? And is there something in the culture that's sort of contributing to our you know, reaching out to or reconnecting with these icon, uh, icons of Fred Rogers and Charles Schultz and the worlds that they created. Talk about this project, and w- was it pretty easy to find authors to contribute? The, are these all newly written pieces for, for the book? Well, I love the question. Thanks. It's actually uh, almost entirely new material, wow. Which, wow. which speaks speaks volumes, speaks more to the sort of transcendence and the universal appeal of it. Schultz is, yes, it's been dead almost 20 years. I would say 75 to 80 percent, if not more, of the book is uh, uh, comprised of originally commissioned pieces. I had the sort of surreal experience of meeting Schultz, which I didn't realize at the time just how special and unusual it was. And it's a very long story unto itself, but it was actually 20 years ago this year uh, that I just wrote it to him cold. I didn't have email at the time, even though it turns out everybody else seemed to have. I just wrote him a letter in the mail cold, asking him to actually, to, if he would contribute to another book. Uh, and he sent me a letter very politely declining, but saying, if you ever find yourself in Santa Rosa, which is California where he, where he lived, stop by. It would be nice to say hello. And I <laughs> I thought, if, you, if that's a bluff, I'm calling it. I'm making it my business to get out there. And so there I was 20 years ago in his presence. And it was awe-inspiring. And in some ways was a seed that led to this book 20 years later. And so the bottom line is it was not hard to get people to um, contribute to this book. I mean, again, it's they're sort of mini memoirs, 33 people. There are two poems. Some are more like mm. essays. Some yeah. are more like personal memoirs. But no, once uh, some people were sort of on record as being Peanuts fans. Others, I just knew that I loved the way that they wrote and thought and just hoped that there'd be some strand of Peanuts that they'd like to uh, meditate on. I mean, right from the beginning, I just love the opening piece so much. I'm a big fan of Adam Gopnik, who, who uh, his chapter is entitled Good Griefs. And, yeah, just talks immediately about, you know, a, a comic strip with these existential overtones where it was like, huh, how, well, do you, how do you do this in a couple of panels? I mean, he just gets so deep in, in, a, in a comic strip. And, oh, he just nails it in, 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 in his piece, your lead piece in the book. Well, that's exactly right. That's so insightful of you, actually, because Adam is a friend, and but also somebody who I, I didn't have any idea. Of. He, I'd never, I've read everything Adam has written, I think, but I don't know that he'd ever written about peanuts. I just he's written for some of the other anthologies I'd put together. He wrote the introduction for one about the Bible and wrote it for the last one, which was about the Beatles. But here, I just took a shot, and he said. You know, as he often ends up saying, is he, you know, he just, he has so many, he's such a Renaissance man himself, but yes, he did a sort of deep dive into Linus. And, you know, the fallacy or paradox is that Peanuts is kind of sweet and simple, and it is, but it's not to the exclusion of also being very complicated, very sophisticated for its time, and for something that ostensibly perceptively was 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 about and for children 
comic strips before Peanuts, you know, featured mostly adults who acted like children, you could say. And Peanuts was, you know, populated almost exclusively by children who sort of talked and acted and thought more like uh, adults. But uh, so I'm glad you sort of picked out Adam's piece to highlight, among others. Let's mention, uh, a, I just want to mention one or two of my other favorite uh, pieces sure. in the book and then let you uh, choose a couple uh, hmm. of your favorites. Or I know they're all your favorites, I'm sure, yeah. but I want you to highlight a few yourself, Andrew. But I also I just really, really enjoyed Ann Patchett's uh, hmm. contribution to, to the book as well. To, hmm. Tell us, for those who may not be familiar about uh, Ann's work as both a writer and the owner of a bookstore as well, correct? Exactly. Yes, very much so. Anne is one of the country's great novelists, and that's, again, not to the exclusion of her writing uh, beautifully uh, crafted nonfiction, which is one of the reasons I reached out to her. We'd met once or twice and had been in touch, but otherwise we were ostensible strangers, but I just thought, wouldn't it be great if she had something to say on the subject? And boy, did she ever. In fact, she (laughs) wrote a piece for the book that was, uh, prior to the book's publication, was published in the Washington Post as an excerpt in which she essentially says that she wouldn't have been a writer had it not been for Peanuts and specifically for Snoopy, um, who was the first writer, per se, that she ever knew about, read about. And if you think about it, Snoopy's whole sort of fantasy life um, included being a novelist, and it was a dark, stormy night, and, you know, he would get rejection letters in the mail from publishers, as, you know, as any writer would. And so Anne, who's, if she is... um, uh, a new book out now, but perhaps she's best known for Bel Canto. And um, yes, she has a, a bookstore that I'm eager to go to in Nashville, where, not to bury the lead, she has a dog who hangs out at the store, and the dog's name is Sparky, which is what everyone knew Charles Schultz by, who, <sighs> who knew him. If somebody called him Charles or Charlie, that he knew that they didn't really know him <laughs> personally, because everyone who was sort of in a, on a collegial level with him in any way called him Sparky, and that's the name of Ann's dog, not coincidentally. Aha, aha. Let me, let me mention one more and let you expound on uh, Rich Cohen's chapter, The Gospel According to Linus. I love this one as well in particular. Yeah, Rich Cohen and I just did, uh, just did an event together. It's been remarkable. There are 33 contributors to the book, and I just counted earlier this morning, 17, uh, 17 of them have done events sort of to help promote, and this is how much these people care about this subject, because, I mean, you know, they get paid a fee to write the piece, but there's nothing in it for them otherwise, but they just sort of seem to love sharing their thoughts and feelings on the subject, and Rich and I did an event in uh, Westport, uh, Connecticut, which is actually where I am now, huh. and... Um, Yes, he he has one of Rich is maybe best known for um, oh he's written so many terrific books. Uh, uh, Tough Jews was yep. one, and uh, Sweet and Low was another. But he's another actually perfect example of somebody. I had no idea if he had anything to say on anything to do with the topic. I just knew that I'd read his essays and nonfiction in particular and loved it. And yes, he he um, wrote a terrific one of a few different pieces, uh, a, a sort of celebrating Linus, who where I'll go with that is just to say that Schultz was on record as saying, of all the characters in Peanuts, the one whom in his mind, and he would be the one to know, had the best chance of being a whatever you want to call it, not successful, but well-adjusted adult, was Linus, actually, which would probably surprise some people just because he was so sensitive and vulnerable and 
whether it's, you know, when he's waiting in the pumpkin patch for the great pumpkin, is that a sign of naivete or blind faith, or is it a kind of perseverance and resilience and faith, which obviously faith plays an important part in the whole strip, and whether that sure. manifests then in, you know, the whole trope of Charlie Brown and Lucy pulling the football away. Exactly, exactly. All right, it's your turn. Pick out a couple uh, of uh, chapters in the book uh, that uh, appeal to you as of uh, as of today that we're doing this interview. What are, what are a couple that jump out on you that you're particularly delighted to have in this book? Well, you're you're a hundred percent right that uh, you know when you put when one puts these books together, I think you know it's it's not like having children because I do have a, a Snoopy loving uh, five year old son, but um, they're not uh, they're they're first among equals sometimes with contributors to books. But I'll just give you I'll give you um, just as a timely issue because we are around Thanksgiving time. Rick Moody. Um, who people, if they know, they know may know from writing The Ice Storm or, again, lots of terrific books, fiction and nonfiction. Um, but I reached out to Rick, who's been in some of the other anthologies as well, and uh, he, he writes a piece, uh, again, the, the, the two holiday TV specials that are best known and most loved are The Great Pumpkin and Charlie Brown Christmas, Rick sort of not to be contrarian or just for the sake of being different says that <laughs> wrote that you know what's what's what he's watched I think he estimated it at over 140 times is the Thanksgiving special and that's entirely because of his daughter who became obsessed with it and Rick <laughs> writes about sort of a trajectory that I think a lot of us or a lot of people rather have had which is we were in love with it or we loved peanuts as as a kid and then we sort of moved away, moved on, let it go, you know, stopped sort of being aware of it as much. And then when we have children, it, we are reintroduced to it and it's, we sort of fall in love all over again. And, and it, it obviously means different things in different ways at different parts of our life. So that's just a very brief thumbnail about just one. I mean, another would be that just comes sort of arbitrarily to mind, uh, Peter Kramer, who wrote a great book uh, many years ago called Listening to Prozac, which put him on a lot of people's radar, and is one of the most interesting thinkers as well as best writers I know. And he was an, he was an example of the other, which is that I went to him, I know him, and I went to him thinking, I wonder if he would consider writing about Lucy and the psychiatry, uh, you know, booth of five cents, please. Because Peter <laughs> is, in addition to being a writer, he's a psychiatrist. So I thought on the off chance that, you know, on some level as a kid or at some point along the way, did that play any part in his perception of what be, what a what being a therapist or a psychiatrist would be. And sure enough, it resonated, it struck some chord, and he writes fantastically about it. And he just did an event for the book on uh, on Martha's Vineyard. So, I, I, you know, I love the fact that sort of we're, we're sort of casting a wide swath. Uh, uh, I don't think we've done anything in Michigan yet. And, I, and not to bury the lead or to turn off all your listeners, but <laughs> I, full disclosure, I am a Notre Dame fan. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> You're forgiven, Andrew. That's all right. Yeah, let's close out. I, I've, I've neglected to ask you about some of your past anthologies that, that you have edited and worked on. Uh, could you mention a couple of those? Uh, well, the first one is still the one I'd have to say is nearest and dearest and has also outsold all the others combined, which was called coach. Uh, and it was inspired by um, coaches, sports coaches that I had as a kid um, who played seminal roles in my life and who are still in, in my life. 
And I just got to thinking there are so many of the, and I'm not talking about pro college, big time. I'm talking about, you know, junior high, grade school, high school coaches. And sure enough, I just similarly, and this was 2005, I think, where I didn't really even hardly knew what I was doing, putting these books together. Um, But the subtitle is 25 Writers Reflect on People Who Made a Difference. And there's a foreword by Bill Bradley and a new introduction by David Duchovny. And it celebrates these men and women who played these vitally important roles in the lives of of writers who obviously didn't go on to become professional athletes, but who learned life lessons and meaning of life stuff from from their coaches. Um, And then to choose something else, I mean, the others have been about, have ranged from being about Central Park, because I grew up in New York and loved the park, to Boston, which is sort of my... Uh, fantasy land, um, the Bible, baseball, but the one most recent uh, before the Beatles, uh, before the uh, Peanuts book was about the Beatles. Yes, and it was called In Their Lives. And you know, not to not to force the comparison or draw the uh, connect the dots where there's nothing really there, but uh, unbeknownst to me, some of these books, I think there's a theme of 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 something that you know is universal in its appeal, is unifying, is something that. Not everyone, but more people can agree on some of these things than we can in, in an increasingly polarized culture. Uh, you know, whether it's peanuts and everyone at the top from Barack Obama to Ronald Reagan, we're very much on record as loving peanuts. Uh, so, too, with the Beatles, you know, I understand there are people who are Rolling Stones fans and think it, you have to be one or the other. Eh, but not you know, true. It'd be both. <laughs> but that book was a little bit different because I asked individual writers to write about individual Beatles songs and sort of do a deep dive or drill down. And, and these have, you know, people, it's an overused expression, but these books are just labors of love. The word anthology actually comes from the Latin word meaning a bouquet. And so this Peanuts book is really a bouquet to Charles Schultz, who was so kind and generous to me and, you know, created a world um, of characters and, and, and beyond that really have enriched the lives of hundreds of millions of people. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers for May 2020. Our interview was with Andrew Blauner, editor of a Library of America special publication, The Peanuts Papers, writers and cartoonists on Charlie Brown, Snoopy and the Gang, and The Meaning of Life. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library. (laughs) 